Go away. It's great. <clears throat> All right. Your soul? Let me make sure this is terrible. Not listening. <clears throat> Not listening. You done? <laughs> What's Titus, precious? What's Titus? Potatoes. Boil them, mash them, stick them in a stew. Uh, even you couldn't say no to that. Oh, yes, sweet child. Spoiling nice fish. Spoiling nice fish. All right. <clears throat> Welcome, my lords, to the Well-Earned Comforts Podcast. I'm Sam. And I'm Seth. Thank you for joining us on the walls of Isengard as we explore the many works of Tolkien and discuss life. We're glad to have you as part of the fellowship as there's no telling where we'll be swept off to and it's hard to believe but it's been about a year since we recorded our first episode of the Well and Comforts podcast. So we're going to do some fun little one year trivia here in a minute but before that, like always, we're going to babble like Butterbur. So I'm going to check in with my brother Seth over in the cold state of Michigan. How you doing man? Well, I'm going to change this up a little bit on you. Ah, dang it. it. I tried to get you. It's actually not that cold uh, to start. It's kind of a rainy day, but we've uh, kind of, we're creeping up. It's funny because in Michigan, it seems like you get a couple, or at least this part of Michigan, you get a couple weeks of 30s, a couple weeks of 40s, a couple weeks of 50s, and it's like the slow ascent into summer or spring. Whereas in Colorado, it would be like, oh, it's 30 degrees and now it's 80. You know what I mean? Right, right. <laughs> so it's, I think we're, we're kind of in like that 40 degree window where it's starting to rain and melt some of the snow and we'll occasionally sniff 50, but, you know, a couple more weeks and I think we'll be in the 50s and be full-fledged spring. So it's similar in Kentucky. We, it's rainy day today and it's, we're actually in kind of a cold spell. Mom and dad are coming out tomorrow and I was hoping it'd oh, be cool. like big spring you know green everywhere but it's uh it's cold and rainy and i think it's gonna get down to like 19 degrees a couple oh, couple days while they're out here unfortunately but uh there should be at least a couple days where it's you know 60 65 degrees and sunny so hopefully it, it pops for them they get to see that happen yeah i didn't know that they were coming to visit that's pretty cool yeah mom's spring break so she's said hey you guys free i was like we can't be <laughs> <laughs> nice yeah, are they definitely. are they flying into Cincinnati then, or are they driving? Yeah, they're flying. Yeah, they're flying into Cincinnati. They actually got some good vouchers. I don't know, Dad. You know, Dad. Dad can bargain his way out of. Uh, I mean, uh, out of a, a death sentence or something. I don't know. He's he's quite the uh, negotiator, and so they got some really good vouchers from Southwest, and only paid like two hundred bucks for both of them to fly out here. So not bad. Not bad not at all. Bad. Yeah. What else is going on with you guys? Working out okay? Evie's okay. Oh, for sure, Ev. Well, yesterday she was happy all day long. It was just like a complete delight to be around. And then in the middle of the night, she decided to wake up screaming. And I don't know if she had a bad dream and it was a nightmare, but it was like a two hour process of trying to get her to go back down. And at one point I grabbed her and we have a little bed in the nursery and I laid down on the bed and had her on my chest and she was out cold for at least 30, 40 minutes. And I was like, all right. Now I can put her down, and the second her head hit her crib, she just lost her mind no. again. Oh. And 
it was it was quite the process to get her to go down. Normally she sleeps really well uh, and we get to sleep through the night, but last night was a little bit of an exception to that. Yeah, bummer. Other than that, I mean, can't complain at all. It's just another day moving along, you know? Nice. That's fair. Well, my foster son wanted to go to uh, the the rec center and play some basketball. He he loves like he plays 2K all the time on the PlayStation. He wanted to play some real basketball and he was talking up a big game about, oh, I'm, I'm going to smoke you in a one on one. Like we're going to, of course, like, I mean, I'm at least 60 pounds heavier than this guy, you know, three, three, four inches taller. And sure. So we do a one on one. I beat him pretty easily. And then uh, a couple other guys came who, you know, probably about my age and we played a, a game of 21 and I won. I mean, I hadn't played basketball in forever, and uh, granted, it was a very ugly win. And we played where you had to like win on a three, you know, so you had to you had oh, to okay. hit your final shot with a three pointer. And I I had three guys on me because there was five of us playing, and they didn't want me to win, obviously. And I just like did one of those like Curry step back jump shots. <laughs> it was uh, it banked off the the backboard and went in. It was the ugliest thing you've ever seen. But they all just kind of looked at me like, "Are you kidding me?" <laughs> Because like, I'm in a prayer. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm really not good at basketball at all. Like, it's not it's not a game that I'd say I'm, I'm very good at. But then we played again, and I didn't do as well. But it was it was fun. But I'm, I'm I forgot how much like just explosive movements like that take it out of my body. Like oh, yeah. this morning, we went to the gym, Ariel and I. And I was squatting, and I only did three fifteen for three sets of five because my my knees were popping. Like every single time went down, my ankle was popping. My back was hurting. I was like, golly, like I forgot like sprinting and jumping and, you know, some of that explosive movements I mean, just wears it, you down. It's, yeah, it's those movements that you don't do. I mean, if you were still playing sports competitively or at least regularly, um, your body would adapt to it. But seeing as you've been adapting more to, you know, powerlifting and then also your your Spartan races, your body's not used to those, you know, those fast twitch movements and it's gonna yeah. it's gonna take a lot out of you for sure yeah definitely a lot of little muscles are like whoa that 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 was tough <laughs> that sounds like fun though i i miss those days of just quite frankly going out in the street with you and, yeah. Steven and micah and nate and darren if he fun. was around and just <laughs> playing you know knockout or 21 or and that backboard know. had so much give on it you could just chuck it at the backboard and bounce right in it was so fun yeah yep, that's true <laughs> Oh, that's oh, a good man. time. Fun reminiscing about the past. Uh, I, I, that's probably enough babbling for today. We've got a little bit to work through here today. So let's jump in. Let's do a quick riddles in the dark. Um, I'll go first, if you don't mind, if you please. And you uh, ahead? Is that what this is about? You have a yeah, I did, actually. <laughs> so I, I better get this. Let's see. I actually didn't plan ahead, but this this would be funny. Hmm. Interesting. Um, I'm just going to go out on a limb here and say... Wait, say part of that again. Did you say a word I, that sounded like nach or something like that? I'm trying to read Dwarvish. I have no idea if that's how you say it. There's no actual letters. It's just Dwarven letters, so... Uh, it's it's a big old <laughs> dwarven like letter on there, and uh, it, now helpful. you <laughs> now you probably get it. Maybe he said, but I don't know ex- yet exactly where we are, unless I'm quite astray. 
I mean, it sounds like Come maybe on. it's Gandalf in Minds of Moria. Yeah, good job. Okay. Good job. I didn't, I mean, I don't know how you can see it. I don't know how to pronounce oh, yeah. those letters. Did you just make <laughs> up the noise or what? Yeah, yeah, I did. <laughs> I wanted to see what you'd do with it. That'd be, that'd be that was funny. I what you made it sound like was um like the language of the orcs, and I was thinking it was yeah. in Rhymes of Moria with um when they're like the the orcs are yelling fire, fire, like the levels oh. are on fire. That's what it made me think yeah. of. But I think it was like Ganache or Garsh or something. Like yeah, that. that's why I was like, did you say a word that sounded like Garsh? Yeah, <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously that chapter is. Uh, Minds of Moria? No. <laughs> no. A Journey in the Dark. Ah. I'm never good at the chapters. We know this. I know. That's that's the one mm. thing I got. On you, so Go ahead. Give me something. All right. I don't know, she answered. He came at night and rode away yesterday yester morn ere the sun had climbed over the mountaintops. He is gone. She said? That's what she said, yes. Uh, <laughs> hmm. He is gone. That sounds like... If oh, I oh, oh, wait, wait, wait. I got it, I got it, I got it. I got it. It's the House of Healing. And it's when Aragorn goes in and he heals everybody and then, like, slips out and leaves. And it's the lady, I forget her name, but the the... Guy's always ragging on her. Gandalf's always ragging. Yorith? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, you're wrong. Oh, are you kidding me? I thought I was right. No, but you'll get it now. You ready? These next four words will get you. Okay. This is somebody else speaking to her. You ready? Uh huh. You are grieved, daughter. Uh, yes. Okay, so that's when Aragorn left Rivendell. No, sorry, 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 sorry. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Said Theoden. Uh, <laughs> wow, I thought this was I, easy. Uh, I mean, I guess it's it's probably has to do with Eowyn being sad about leaving, like Aragorn leaving for something. But remember when Aragorn, after uh, Isengard, he and his company ride back to. Um, to Edoras, and they meet Eowyn, and they stay the night, and then they leave in the morning to go to the Paths of the Dead. I did not remember that, no. But it, I do okay. now. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Okay. So what chapter is that? Uh, the Muster of Rohan. Oh. It's like the very... Oh, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I remember now. Yeah. I, and she asks I'm, to go with him, and he's basically like, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, gosh. Like, Yeah, that's... Oof, that's a I tough thought, look. I thought you were gonna get that, especially. It's right. a tough look. I mean, you like <laughs> Rohan. You always played as Rohan in in our card game. So. I know, I know. Uh, it's a tough look. Well, a flock indeed. Moving away from riddles in the dark, down to our tidings from the Fellowship. Still, uh, very few tidings. I won't say none because I did get an email from Caleb Linville. Um, he right. actually emailed me. I meant to tell you this about ways to engage with Spotify listeners, which I'm not a Spotify guy. I'm an Apple Podcast guy. Uh, yeah. But Caleb shared something that we could maybe take advantage of. Um, let me pull it up here real quick. But it's something you'd probably have to figure out. But uh, it looks like. 
you can do like polls and uh, you can do like different Q and A's with people. And so uh, they, they can like vote on like the Spotify li- listeners can vote on certain things that you put out and then oh. you can read it on the podcast, stuff like that. So I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah. Something, uh, something to look into um, possibly, but other than that, no new tidings, no new uh, reviews or anything like that. So if you're out there, we want to hear from you. Hope you're doing good. Hope you're doing well. Little do we know, they're just not out there. Oh. <laughs> We're shouting into a void. Except for <laughs> Caleb. We love you, Caleb. Yes. He did say, he did say that he's really been enjoying reading uh, Children of Her. And I'll just, I'll just read the email because it wasn't really, it was, it was a kind email, what, what he said. He said, um, been really enjoying listening to the Children of Her episodes. There's a lot that you guys are pulling out, which I missed when I listened to the book the first time. So appreciate it, Caleb. We are also, I am also finding lots more uh, to this than than I would have had we not done it together. So I appreciate it. Yeah, for sure. Moving on from Tidings of the Fellowship, it is almost like one year from, I think it's about one year now from where we first originally recorded a episode for Well and Comfort's podcast. And obviously the we published that in April, but when we recorded it was in March. And so I believe this is like the one year anniversary. And so I just have a couple quick uh, trivia questions for our uh, listeners and for for seth here he doesn't know these answers i've written them down on a paper so he can't see them Uh, but here's some trivia questions about our beloved well-earned comforts podcast how many times has seth started off battling like butterbur with either i'm good buddy or nothing much because i always say how you doing or what's going on and you have really just two answers for i have two defaults (laughs) hmm how many episodes have we done total? Well, that's a question, so I can't give you that answer. <laughs> it is? Yeah, I didn't write that. I, I have that one on my paper. Oh, because I don't know the answer to that. Um, I've got to say it's at least like 80% of the episodes. Well. So. Let's see if we've done 20, we'll say 25, maybe. I think we talked about this because I was like, we were averaging, averaging almost to a week. So I'm going to go with like 23 podcast total. Uh, I've probably done it 19 <laughs> out of 23 times. You're wrong, actually. So I just went through and listened to them all and I was I was bummed. I, it, I thought it was going to be a lot more than it was, but it was only eight. Only eight. Really? Yeah. You either say I'm good, buddy, or nothing much. Only eight times. All the others were different things, uh, you know, but uh, yeah, only eight, eight times. So next yeah, question. That's not as bad as either of us thought, all right? Yeah, it was a little pat on the back. <laughs> I was seeing, I was hoping you would do it this episode, but you didn't. And so I couldn't count that one. <laughs> well, I saw the question. I saw the question in the doc. So there's no way I'm going to start it <laughs> off that way. Fair You're enough. not baiting me like that. Fair enough. All right, next question. How many episodes have bonus content either before the intro music or after the outro music? Again, I don't know how many episodes there are total. That maybe would have been a good one to start with. Uh, I'm still going to stick with the 23, I'm guessing. Uh, I'm going to say 11. That was really close. That was really close. Uh, It's 10. Ah, 10 episodes. 
I throw those in there every once in a while. If I think there's something funny that we said or, or <laughs> something, you know, before or after I, our, I like them. I like them. I think they're fun. I wonder how many people actually, cause you know, once you hear the music, you probably just turn it off. You know, they don't want to hear Gondor calls for aid. They don't want to, you know, listen right. to the, the, I don't know, maybe we'll, we'll see. But if just so you yeah, know, you now just need to start, start throwing them at the beginning all the time. Ah, that's a good idea. <clears throat> okay. Next question. What is our longest podcast? And how long was it? Hmm. Out of all the things we talked about, Baron and Luthien, Numenor, the Eagles, the Maiar, the music of the Ainur, concerning brothers, children of Hurin. I almost want to say it was the interview we did with Michael. Oh. Do you almost want to say it or do you want to say it? I'll I'll say it. I'll say it. That is drum roll, please. Hold on. Incorrect. Uh, I had to double check that one because it's very close. Michael's was an hour and 20 minutes long. Hour and 19 minutes long. Okay. The longest episode that we've done is Children of Her in Chapter 8 and 9, which was, any guesses on how long? An hour and 20 minutes. <laughs> Very close. Hour and 24 minutes. Oh, wow. That's not bad. It's really not. You know, I, I've listened to other podcasts, especially around this kind of uh, content, and they tend to babble much longer than we do. So <laughs> try to keep I, yeah, it short. I think, I think we do a decent job most of the time of keeping it between like 50 minutes and an hour and 10. Yeah, yeah, agreed. And then last podcast, uh, l- last question for you here is how many podcasts do we have? <laughs> I'm sticking with the 23 that I was guessing this whole time. That's a good guess, but you are incorrect. We have 25 total episodes. Ooh, okay. All right, that's good. Can't forget the, can't forget the bonus episode I did with Ariel. So, Oh, true. That's added on in there as well. But Well, that was fun. I might just bring in some random questions every once in a while for Seth to do just to see if he can <laughs> pay attention here. But uh, yeah, one year, it's been a lot of fun. I've honestly really loved this. I've looked forward to it. I've told Ariel, I was like, thank you so much for letting me just have a hobby. You know, I don't care if, you know, we never make a dime out of this. I don't care if we never break a hundred listeners. I don't care. I'm just having fun with it. It's just a fun hobby and it's, it's wonderful content to go through and with somebody I, I truly love and enjoy. So. I generally think that the world would be better off with less technology, that there's kind of like a point of diminishing returns when it comes to mm-hmm. technology. And I think we're exceeding that in today's world. <laughs> yeah. However, the technology that lets us, you know, we're what, like six, 700 miles apart right now. Yeah. Um, and we're able to talk face to face and go through a book that uh, we both really enjoy. And, you know, Amanda keeps telling me you need to have a hobby. And it's like, well, now I have one like this. is It's a hobby. <laughs> yeah. It's fun. So absolutely. I'm glad, that, I'm glad that we're doing it also. Yeah. And it's cool because it's like it's audio journals, too. Like, I mean, I, I, you've got a daughter already. I've got a boy on the way. And I'm I mean, I don't know if they'll care to listen to it or not, <clears throat> but it's cool just to know that it's out there like, you know, years after if I pass on or if something happens or even if they just want to like, no like the process of even, you know, just the babbling like butterbeer portions where I'm talking about, Oh, Ariel just got pregnant. Like, Oh, she's in her, you know, 16th, 17th week, stuff like that. And so, yeah. um, 
yeah, I don't know. It's it's cool to at least for me to go back and and listen to some of that stuff, uh, just knowing how how much life changes, and it's cool to have a little bit of a audio diary of that. But yeah, completely agree. I digress. Let's jump into the meat and potatoes of the podcast. And I, as we mentioned last week, I just went through and. I couldn't stop reading. I couldn't stop reading. I couldn't stop writing. This is probably the most epic chapter. It is the most epic chapter, in my opinion, that we've seen thus far of Children of Her. And I'm so excited to talk about it. So I'll let Seth kick it off. Yeah. So if you remember last episode, it was the tragedy of Turin's life. But from a non-battle, uh, I guess, perspective, it was the crap that goes on through um just his interpersonal relationships and stuff. And this chapter you see where the, that kind of bleeds over and there's a giant battle and uh, some really interesting stuff. So that's kind of the transition here. So at this point, Turin has lived in Nargothron for about five years and he's become the commander of all the armies, all of Orodreth's armies. He's, you know, gained a lot of respect and Orodreth just listens to his counsels and all things uh, from a military perspective. And it was around this time that two elf messengers came to Nargothrond, and their names were Gelmir and Arminas. And they were brought to Turin, um, and Turin had now become very proud and just got to do whatever he wanted. He made decisions, and nobody really questioned him. Um, and so these elves were brought to Turin, and they requested to see Orodreth, the king. And Turin's basically like, nope. You get to talk to me, but we can go see Ordreth together. But I, you know, you have to talk to me. Uh, and what's interesting is they actually mentioned that they're of Angrod's people and that they had wandered far from the near Nyeth. Uh, so, Sam, do you know who Angrod is? Without reading. <laughs> uh, Angrod is... I feel like I did know this, but I don't anymore. Yeah. Oh, no, 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 no. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Uh, is Angrod uh, Galadriel's brother? It is indeed. It's one of her two Ooh. brothers uh, that ruled the area of uh, Dorthonian, which is now Tar Nifuin, until the Battle of the Dagor Bragalach. So, ah. um, just kind of an interesting tie in that Galadriel does have more than one brother, uh, contrary to what Rings of Power mm -hmm. would make you think. Right. Um, exactly. Yeah. So these were elves of Angrod's people, but after the near Nyeth, they kind of just have been wandering afar. And they were telling the Ordreth that they were actually, uh, they spent some time on the, on the coast, on the havens with Cirdan the shipwright, and that Ulmo himself, the Lord of Waters, the, the Vala, uh, Ulmo had, given them a message to deliver directly to Orodreth, the king of Nargothrond. Yeah, which this is a big deal. I mean, we don't see the Valar talking to the children of Ilavatar that often, especially not in this story. So, you know, for some people who maybe just jumped into Children of Her and reading that without having any, you know, idea of the Silmarillion, they'd probably be like, who the heck is this Ulmo? Like, I don't understand his status or his, you know, being. But yeah, he's a, a very powerful being. Um, but Orodreth... Uh, when he hears this, he's he's kind of taken aback, and he he's cautions them, and he's like, "All right, so where where are you coming from again, and and where are you going?" And the elves mention like, "Well, we're you know we have this message for you, but we're also looking for the hidden city of Gondolin. We're trying to find Turgon, 
and we we can't find it and so we wandered around a little bit and so uh we we were looking for tourgon and uh because they heard that it is said i guess this is a prophecy i don't know who who prophesies this but it is said that his kingdom shall stand the longest against morgoth maybe just because it's the hidden kingdom you know i don't know so they were kind of looking around for that and then they actually came to a nargothrond as well and so you know the king is he's upset he's like i don't i don't know if i want to hear this message from omo like i don't i don't think you guys should should be here like just go go away and go try to find the hidden city of gondolin um but gilmore he, he's like hold on hold on i Please, please, please don't be angry because our, our search hasn't been fruitless. Like, because we found you and we uh, saw a large mustering of orcs in Sauron's Isle, which I, I looked, I, I didn't look this up. I, I just asked Seth to, where is, where is the Sauron's Isle? Do you have any idea where that's at? Yeah, it's uh, the Tower of Minas Tirith or Tall and Gowroth that we oh. talked about in the Baron and Luthien story. So it's kind of interesting because if you remember that was built by um, Fenrod Feligund, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Minas Tirith was the tower. Minas Tirith yeah. was built by Fenrod Feligund. And then when he became the king of, of Nargothrond, he gave that to Orodreth. And then Sauron came with all his werewolves and pushed Orodreth out and Orodreth fled to Nargothrond. Oh, but then Beren okay. and Luthien went and you know, they beat up Sauron yeah. there and restored, you know, Tall and Galroth to Minas Tirith and they buried Fenrod in the place yeah. that he had built. But that's kind of the end of the little lineage of it, I guess. And I mm-hmm. I suppose that over, you know, I forget, this is probably like a 50, 60 year time span. Apparently Sauron yeah. has made his way back, hmm. um, which I don't know if there's any mention of other than just it's implied because it's the Sauron's Isle now. Oh, well, interesting. As much as that was new news to me, it was not to Turin. Uh, he was present as the two elves are talking to the king as well. And he's like, guys, your, your news is, as he says, stale. Like, we already know that. Big deal. What, what are you really here for? Like, f- spit it out before we kick you out, pretty much, is what Turin is saying. And then Gilmar's like, all right, I'm going to recount the words of, of the Valar Ulmo, because you're not going to like this, and you are, uh, it's, it's, you need to be t- paying attention, is what he's saying. So this is straight from the words of Ulmo. The evil in the north has defiled the springs of Sirion, and my powers withdraw from the fingers of the flowing waters. But a worse thing is yet to come forth. Say, therefore, to the lord of Nagothrond, Ordrath, Shut the doors of the fortress, go not abroad, pass the stones of your pride into the loud river, that the creeping evil may not find your gate. So everything that Turin had said, like, oh, we need to go out there, we need to fight, we need to take Morgoth head on, almost like, dude, shut the gates, close it off, hide away, because this creeping evil is coming, and you don't want it to find your gate. Yeah, and the river Narog... Turin is the one that had the big bridge built. And it's interesting that Ulmo says, cast the stones of your pride into the loud water, which to me is saying, destroy the bridge that you built out of pride, um, which is just an interesting way of phrasing it. And so, yeah, this, this kind of took Ordrath and he's like, ah, crap. Uh, I don't know. Turin, what do you think? Which probably isn't the greatest idea as we keep saying throughout this story. Uh, it's, easier to say from afar i suppose um but turin said oh that's not a great idea 
uh, we don't trust these messengers, and we don't. And Kirden, he's on the coast. He knows nothing of our wars. And Turin said that if, which is interesting, he says that if Ulmo wanted to send counsel, he should have spoken more clearly. And until that happens, he's going to do what he thinks is the best, which is to take the enemy head on. Which Turin often speaks ill of the Valar, which mm-hmm. the elves never do. And it's, it's, interesting because in this conversation there's some back and forth and they basically ask him like well aren't you the son of Hurin and they were like well we met your your cousin Tuor and he seemed to actually care about the Valor and Turin always is just opposed to anything the Valor I feel like he's just betrayed the only Valar that he knows about or not knows about but has interacted with in a roundabout way is Morgoth and so he's kind of He's kind of stained. His heart is stained towards them. Sure. Um, so this is Turin speaking from, you know, the mind of hiding and waiting and knowing that the inevitable downfall of Nargothrond will happen if that's what they do. Whereas he wants to go out and fight and push back as much as he can. And again, this is the short-term thinking of men and the long-term thinking of elves. Elves are going to live, yeah. you know, until they're killed, basically. And Turin doesn't have that luxury. He knows that he's in the prime of his manhood and his his days are numbered. So he wants to go out there and do everything he can during his short yep. term or during a short time to to burn the black hands is kind of how he phrases it. Mm-hmm. And so, like I mentioned, they have uh, some interesting back and forth uh, between Turin and the elves and Armin Os, one of the elves, like I said, he asks, are you really of the house of Hador? And Turin is like, well, yeah. And he mistakes him. He's like, well, yeah, I know I have black hair, but I took after my mother, who's of the line of Baron. Um, and the elf is like, yeah, that's not what I meant. Like, <laughs> you speak, I, I had nothing against your looks. It's it's that your, you know, your actions and your your words aren't of high lineage. They're full of pride and uh, he basically just says that Turin's pride will bring grief to many. Um, and this is interesting, too, because when he talks about Tuor and mentions how, well, we ran into Tuor and he spoke very well of the Valar and, yeah. you know, he's more kingly in a way. Um, I don't know that Turin is even aware of Tuor's existence at that at this point, because I right. looked up their dates of birth and Turin is about nine years older, which is right around the time he left. Um, yeah, he left Orloman, right? right? So I'm I'm not sure if he even knows of him, um, but this pisses off Turin because he doesn't really. <laughs> like to be told you know his he's very prideful he doesn't like to be told that he's incorrect about anything or that his thought process isn't the only one um and so he taunted the elves and told them to leave and oradreth was actually kind of concerned about the tidings that the elves had brought and turin became even more hot-headed and was like nope we're not breaking down that bridge which if you go back to cast your stones um, mm-hmm. of pride into the loud river that Turin is his pride is like the stone and he's refusing to bend his pride at all to listen to counsel, uh, the counsels of Ulmo. And so he refuses to do that. And soon after all this happens, Handir, the Lord of Brethil is slain by orcs as they were trying to secure the Tagline, which is another river right around that area. 
and Handor, excuse me, Handir and his men gave battle, uh, but they were eventually pushed back into the woods. And so you can see just the power of Morgoth is creeping closer and closer to Nargothrond at this point. Yeah, and then come fall, come autumn, Morgoth releases his host, his long-prepared host on the people of Narog. And (laughs) to make things worse, he's got a dragon. (laughs) He's got not even just a dragon. Glaurung, the father of dragons, came north of Sirion and, as Tolkien says, did much evil. And then with a great host of orcs, he came to Nargothrond. And he was just burning as he went. And so uh, Seth put an interesting note here. This is the same worm. I love the term worm. That's what uh, Thorin calls uh, Smaug, I'm pretty sure. Uh, But this is the same worm that slew Azaghal, dwarven king of Belagost, during the near Nyeth. And when he was a quote-unquote young worm. And so now he is full of stature. So, you know, he's he's full, Turin's full manhood. Glaurung is full dragonhood. I guess <laughs> dragon. <laughs> so obviously Turin's like, Oh, we got to respond to this. Like we got to go defend our borders. So he musters the armies of Nargothrond and they went forth to meet the enemy and he was feeling good. He was feeling great. His whole army was looking upon him and he looked tall and terrible. And everyone was like, wow. Okay. Like we got this a mighty warrior on our side. Maybe we'll be all right. So they, they were uplifted as they saw him riding next to their King or And, so they go out and they meet the host of Morgoth and they quickly realize that the host of Nargothrond was way smaller than what Morgoth had brought. And so even though Turin, he, he fought valiantly in his dwarven mask, again, we don't know where the, uh, the dragon helm of Dor Loman would be, which I feel like that'd be pretty helpful to go up against a dragon, but he's wearing I'd this dwarven so. mask. Um, but the elves were overtaken uh, at the, uh, in the battle of the Tumahalad is what, is what Tolkien says here. And so, unfortunately, the king, Ordreth, was slain at the front of the battle, and Gwyndor was wounded to the death. If you remember Gwyndor, Turin's friend from last episode, that has pretty much just said, I have no prowess to give. So I'm sure he didn't take much to take him down. <laughs> yeah. But it's interesting. Like, most elven kings, they die in some crazy ways with, like, some really big feats of daring, and yet Ordreth gets one sentence. It was like, oh, Ordreth was slain at the front wow okay like how did he die who killed him was it you know was it the was it the dragon was it just a random orc we don't know he doesn't get much just eh, or just died bummer <laughs> yeah i think i think it's kind of weird too because like you mentioned a lot of the other elven kings whenever they die it's this big this big deal and in this it's kind of like tolkien's using it as well moving on <laughs> i mean he doesn't even talk about the battle at all he just basically says it was a route which yeah. again is interesting to me because in today's day and age with all you know short attention spans and crazy fight scenes this type of thing wouldn't fly if you were to make right. this into a movie they'd have to have this big drawn out death mm-hmm. scene and battle whereas tolkien is like this is a means to an end this battle has to happen the elves have to get their butt kicked and we're moving on with the story well, so he it, uses it as like just a plot advancer. Yeah. But I also think it's interesting too, because Turin has been talking this big game for so long. And so I think Tolkien even, I don't know, maybe I'm looking too deep into this, but I think he even uses the short description as a, yeah, Turin had no idea what was coming. He talked this big game. He said, oh, Nargothrond is going to stand because of me. And here we are a few sentences later, man, they got their butts whooped. <laughs> 
Yeah, I think I think you're probably right, actually. I mean, he's definitely full of pride and thinks he knows all of the enemy's counsels and everything, and in reality, he just doesn't. So Turin, and keep in mind, like Sam mentioned, Gwendor is wounded to the death. So as the battle is raging and the elves are getting routed and they're trying to retreat to Nargothron, Turin actually comes and grabs Gelmir, uh, or I'm sorry, Gwendor, and he takes him off into the woods and he saves him. Uh, but Gwendor tells him that his his wounds are beyond healing and that it's time for him to leave Middle-earth. And what he says to Turin is kind of, it really kind of encompasses <laughs> Turin's life, where he's like, he basically says, I love you, but I regret saving you all those years before. Oof. And it's like, dang. That really is Turin's character in a nutshell. Like, people love him. And yet, no matter where he goes, people regret being associated with him in the end. Yeah, that's tough. Yeah. Um, and basically, Gwyndor says, if you love me at all, go now in haste to Nargothron and save Fenduilas. So even with Gwyndor's dying breath, he's like, go save my girl that you were trying to steal from me. Make Jeez. sure she survives. And Gwyndor actually gives Turin a warning, and I quote, she alone, speaking of Fenduilas, she alone stands between you and your doom. If you fail her, it shall not fail to find you. Farewell. So mm -hmm. he's basically saying, if you don't rescue Fenduilas, your doom will find you. Um, and you'll see how that turns out here yeah. in a minute. Um, but here's Turin again. Like, yeah, he's a prideful jerk. Uh, I'm trying to use good <laughs> language here. But Attaboy. we don't need that big E. <laughs> He's also got, you know, a lot of tragedy in his life and he just loses mm -hmm. another friend. And this is another friend that rescued him and saved his life. And I mean, it's just no matter who's near Turin, it turns out poorly. And that's got to be a really heavy weight for him to bear. Absolutely. And so Turin, you know, heeding Gwyndor's words, he speeds off to Nargothron. But at this point, Glaurung and the orcs had already gotten there before him because of the time that he took to to try to save Gwyndor. And the orcs and, and Glaurung cross the bridge, and at this point, you probably should have just destroyed the bridge. Even if you were going out to fight, you probably should have had the foresight to be like, well, if this doesn't go well, at least our kingdom will be protected. But they don't destroy the bridge, and so uh, Glaurung and the orcs are able to just wipe through Nargothrond and pillage and kill everybody, and there is... Um, a group of captives that they that they bring and kind of they're going to march back to Angband uh, and tr make them into thralls and slaves. And at this point, Turin sees what's happening and he rushes across the bridge and slays everybody in his path and nobody can stand in his way. And then all of a sudden, he alone stands in front of the captives, and that's when uh, Glaurung bursts through the doors and stands right before Turin. Yeah, and Seth and I just thought it'd be fun. I mean, again, this is why I thought this chapter was so epic was because of Glaurung and how he speaks. And so we're just going to do back and forth. I'm going to be the the voice of Glaurung, so to speak. Um, but he, the dragon, he just towers up. I, I'm just picturing this, a tiny man in front of this father of dragons. And he goes, Hail, son of Hurin, well met. He said that by was, the evil spirit that was within him. Man. Yep. 
And Turin looked upon the serpent without fear and held back, held up his black sword Gurthang. But too long did he look into the dragon's eyes, and he was entrapped by Glaurung's spell. And Turin stood unmoving and silent before the beast. And the dragon spoke to Turin and said, Evil have been all your ways, son of Hurin. Thankless fosterling, outlaw, slayer of your friend, thief of love, usurper of Nargothrond, captain foolhardy, and deserter of your kin. As thralls, your mother and sister live in Dorloman, in misery and want. Yet you are arrayed as a prince, but they go in rags, for, ye, for they yearn for you, but you care for them not. Glad may your father be to learn he is such a son. As learn he shall. Dang. <laughs> and Turin, still under the dragon spell, saw himself as in a th- he was looking into a mirror and he hated what he saw. And the dragon spell weighed heavily on Turin so that the orcs were able to pass him by with the captives. So those captives that they're taken back, Turin's still on the bridge and nobody can withstand him. But his eye contact with Glaurung and Glaurung's words throw him into this spell where... The orcs walk right by Turin, back across the bridge towards Angband, and they're bringing the captives with him. And it's interesting, too, because if you remember throughout this whole story, Turin's gaze was so powerful that few could withstand it. I mean, anybody he looked at, he got his way because he was just so stern in will and desire of whatever he wanted that people were like, all right, all right, you, you're, you obviously care about this way more than I do. You win. But Glaurung is able to just completely overtake that. So it's a strength of Turin's that Glaurung is just stomping all over. Mm-hmm. And Fenduilas is getting, she's one of the captives, and she's getting taken and goes right past Turin, and she's shouting and reaching for him and crying out for Turin to rescue her. But he's just under the dragon spell and he didn't even hear her. And so the captives were driven far, far away. And then Glaurung released Turin from his spell. And at this point, Turin kind of just sways back and forth as if he was waking up from a nightmare. And with a loud cry, he sprang towards the dragon, but Glaurung laughed. And he said, (laughs) if you wish to be slain, I will slay you gladly, but small help that will be to Morwen and Neonor. No heed did you give to the cries of the elf woman. Will you deny also the bond of your blood? Baturin didn't stop. Raising his black sword, he stabbed at the dragon's eyes, and the serpent recoiled swiftly and towered over Turin, and Glaurung spoke again. Nay, at least you are valiant, beyond all whom I have yet met. And they lie who say that we do not honor the valor of our foes. See now, I offer you freedom. Go to your kin if you can. Get you gone. And if elf or man be left to make tale of these days, surely in scorn they will name you. If you spurn this gift. Turin again, affected by the charm of the dragon, withdrew and fled over the bridge in haste. But as he did, the dragon spoke one last time with a loud, powerful voice. Haste you now, son of Hurin, to Dorloman. Or perhaps the orcs shall come before you once again. And if you tarry for Fenduilas, then never again shall you see Morwen or Neonor, and they will curse you. (laughs) 
And at this point, the dragon laughed with satisfaction because he had completed the errand of his master. And he turned to his pleasure and set ablaze all of Nargothron and broke down the bridge and cast the stones of pride into the water. Mm. And he killed all the plundering orcs and encircled all the riches into a giant heap and he lay upon them in the innermost hall in typical dragon fashion. Yeah, yikes. <laughs> so Turin, he, he speds away north and through the desolate lands of Narog and Teeglin and Fell, uh, Fell Winter came down upon him. So he's running and he's just, I mean, imagine he's got the dragon's words just repeating in his mind over and over and over and over. And so he's, he's running back to Dor Loman and there's a Fell Winter that comes down to meet him. And so snow fell before autumn passed, much like it does in Colorado. You know, sometimes we'll get snow yeah. and in september which is ridiculous but uh, but as he traveled it seemed to him that he heard the cries of fenduilas calling his name with great anguish so you know whether that was actual cries from her that he heard or just maybe that cry that he didn't hear in that moment was just like kind of what's the word like uh i'm trying to i can't subconsciously subconsciously like mm -hmm. coming back up to him because he probably i mean he he heard her whether or not he did in the moment like he probably is hearing that again and again and again but because of glaron his heart was hot with the lies of this dragon and he thought of the torment his mother and sister must be going through by the hands of the orcs and so he he journeyed on never turning aside to Finduilas. so if you remember gwindor's he's been pretty wise up to this point and kind of prophesying what's going to happen. He said, if you don't save Fenduilas, yep. the doom is going to get you and your fate is going to be set. And he and if doesn't tear you away. And if you remember at the end of last chapter, there was, you know, that weird out of place paragraph. Do you remember that at the very yep. end? Yep. About, about Neonor and Neonor? Yep. So where are they? Are they still in Dor Loman? No, no. They went to, uh, to hang out with Melian and Thingol. Yep, Doriath. so they're in Doriath, and so Glaurung just completely lied to Turin, which is interesting how Tolkien describes um, he laughed with satisfaction as he completed the errand of his master Morgoth. So Morgoth was like, yeah, I don't need to kill Turin, let's cause him more anguish. Yeah. Um, and so he doesn't tell Glaurung to kill him. He's like, let's screw with him a little bit more and break his heart even more. And this is just ripping Turin apart. I mean, that interaction, and I love I love the way Glaurung speaks. I was telling Sam before we started recording, it's almost like academic in a way. I mean, he's mm -hmm. a very, very intelligent being. And just the way he approaches his arguments and is like, hey, you have a lot of valor, but I'll still kill you if you want me to, <laughs> but I'm giving you a gift. Like, he's very manipulative. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's he's a serpent. I mean, it goes back to that to me, but I, I definitely couldn't do his voice justice. But I mean, he was. Yeah, I, I read that and I was just like, oh, my gosh, what is happening right now? Because, yeah, you're right. He was lying through his teeth, but yet it sounded so convincing. And even even in my brain, I was like, yeah, Turin, you got to go back to your, your mom and si your mom and sis, <laughs> even though they're perfectly fine right now in Doriath. Like, yeah, it's and the way he makes him feel so bad about it, too. Like, well, you didn't hear the cries of Vinduilas. Do you even care about them or are you going to like forget the blood of your own as well? Cause you haven't cared about them since you've been a man. So why would you care now? You know, he's, yeah. he's just again, pushing into it. He knows Turin so well because of probably what Morgoth told him to tell him. 
because Morgoth has been seeing all this go down through like the curse of Hurin and everything else too. So sheesh. And I, I found this interesting too. Turin was warned twice in the last little bit of this chapter. He was given warnings by two different characters. One was a friend that had saved his life that he knew very well. And the other was a servant of Morgoth. Hmm. And which one did he listen to? He listened to the enemy. Yeah. That's just kind of an interesting parallel. Gwyndor says, if you, if you, you know, Fenduila stands between you and your doom. You don't fail her. And then Morgoth says, if you try to rescue Fenduilas, your family will die and they will scorn you. Which again is not true. Like they're under the protection of Melian right now, which is the safest place they could be. <laughs> yeah. It's just weird to me how they or how Turin values the opinion of Glaurung more than Gwyndor, which I think is becoming is because it's become excuse me it's coming from a place of fear. Yeah, Glaurung knows what buttons to push and what soft spots to hit Turin with, mm-hmm. and he knows what Turin is quite frankly ashamed of in his own life, and he plays on that perfectly. Yeah, absolutely. I, I again, I hope someday we get to see this on the big screen where I can just like imagine in my mind him leaping towards the dragon trying to stab at his eyes or whatever. And, and again, he just dragon coils away like, wow, okay, you got some valor. Like, you know, that'd be such a cool interaction. Like it would be. Yeah. I I hope we get to see that someday. If we do get to see that someday, here's a question for you. Who would you have cast to be Turin? I mean, I don't know celebrities that well. Uh, Um, It's fair. Man. Yeah. I really don't know. I, I don't have a name. It's got to be somebody that's, you know, incredibly imposing from a physical yeah. standpoint, but also attractive and not just a brute. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Well, do you have any names on your tongue? I was thinking like Mark Wahlberg would be good because he's really good Except at playing the. Sex. I know he's so short. <laughs> if he was a bit taller, because he, he's really good at like playing that, that kind of arrogant character in a lot of his mm. his movies um but yeah i i don't know there's there's a lot of good actors out there that that could do it really well i think bradley cooper could also do a great job at it um mm. he's a bit too funny maybe like too lighthearted, but i mean he he can get jacked when he wants to <laughs> yeah he could do it yeah again i, I hope we'll i hope someday we'll we'll get to see it it'd be pretty cool probably neither of those names probably somebody we don't know because that was the case with all of lord of the rings was pretty nobody much, yeah. knew any of these guys except for like john ray's davies and ian mckellen like a couple of them were yeah well known um but kind yeah of opposite opinion of yours though if this movie was to be made in the current climate i'd rather it not even get made like mm-hmm. if you could go back to 2000 when lord of the rings came out and adapt it with the same mindset and technology and everything that they did back then, I'd be a hundred percent for this. Yeah. But there's just so many things in this that if it was made today or it just in this current climate, that would get twisted and mm-hmm. just the heart of Tolkien's works would be changed so much that I just, yeah. I don't know that I even want to see it. I could see that. Yeah. That's, that's a good point. 
don't know. I'm I'm a I'm a sucker for just uh, getting trapped on the the teasers of seeing again something I've imagined in my brain for so long come to life sure. on the screen and. But uh, you're right. I mean, we saw what happened to Rings of Power, and I mean, I'm I'm curious about these new movies that uh, New Line Cinema is going to be making with uh, Warner Brothers, and you know, they've talked to sounds like they've talked to Peter Jackson a little bit about being involved, which would be kind of cool. But again, yeah, you're right. I think what seems to be the case is everyone has to have a certain narrative that they have to meet, and that narrative is not probably what Tolkien would use. <laughs> right. Well, so. well, anyway, man, this this chapter was epic, and I'm sure it just gets even more epic up, you know, after this because things are moving. It's it's heating up now. Well, thank you so much for joining us on this crazy adventure. We have come to the part of the podcast where we call for aid. Gondor is calling for aid. So we're breaking into the halls of Metacell and we're shouting, Gondor calls for aid. Will you, Rohan, answer? If you enjoyed the podcast, please light a beacon of your own by sharing it with fellow friends and fans. And also, don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave us a review. If you'd like to share us your Tolkien story or any thoughts on Children of Kuren, Rings of Power, or the upcoming uh, Warner Brother movies, just email us at weckpodcast at gmail.com, podcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts, and we want to do this as a fellowship. So we'll be jumping into more Children of Kuren next time. But until then, thank you so much for joining us for some well and comforts. We bid you a very fond farewell. I actually like the way Christopher Lee does it. If you wish to be slain, I will slay you gladly. But small help will it be tomorrow in the Nienor. No heed did you give to the cries of the elf woman. Will you deny also the bond of your blood? But Turin, drawing back his sword, stabbed at his eyes.